We're coming out of the tunnel here on College Football Live with two of the conference who have impressed in a big way. What you should expect from the ACC this year after a hot start and in the Pac-12 keep proving they're a powerhouse this season. Plus, the SEC start looks a little different than we're used to, but Georgia does not. We dive into some of the conference matchups you need to keep an eye on this weekend. And someone won a million dollars on Colorado last week. We're not suggesting you throw down that kind of money, but we are suggesting you get some of our best bets. Joe Fortenbaugh here to make sure you're in the know. Welcome to College Football Live. Happy Wednesday. Kelsey Riggs with you alongside Sam Acho and Tom Luganville. And Lugs, nice of you to show up after I know it was you that won that million last week, right? Million dollars? <laughs> <laughs> I got a few more hits left. I got to fulfill them. I appreciate that. I appreciate <sighs> that. And you know what? I know ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips appreciates what he has seen from the start of the season as we get ready for week through. What he said back in July starting to pan out. Take a look. I think for all of us, you get into the competitive ACC season and it's a little bit of a cannibalization. So your point of differentiation. I think for all conferences, ends up being the non-conference games. And so we have to get off to a really good start. He said they have to, and so far they have. Let's dive into the numbers a little bit, shall we? The ACC has gone an impressive 4-0 in primetime games through two weeks of the season. Pitt has an opportunity to continue that win streak Saturday night when they travel to West Virginia in the backyard brawl. Now, ACC teams have also found success in non-conference matchups so far this season. The conference is 18-6 against non-conference opponents, with five teams posting 2-0 records in those matchups. And the ACC has posted a 4-1 record against the SEC through the first two weeks of the season. That's the highest win percentage against the SEC through two games over the last 20 seasons. So, Lugs, we saw Duke rushing the field after the win over Clemson. You were at that game, calling that game. So I want to start with you. How notable is it, this start that we've seen from the ACC two weeks in? I think it's significant because if you want to change the narrative or the perception of the conference in a positive manner, you have to go out in highly viewed televised windows, which we saw in week one, and you have to play your best football against top-level opponents. So when you schedule an FSU versus LSU, you got to go out and get that win, and you do. Then you followed up the following week, and you've got Texas A&M taking on Miami. you got to beat that Texas A&M team. What does Miami do? They take care of business. And so for me, and you can say the same for North Carolina and South Carolina, and this isn't a, a, a knock on Clemson because Clemson's been so important to the overall uh, health and success of the ACC, but it's really good for this conference to show some top-to-bottom strength and some teams like a Duke, like a North Carolina, like a Miami, like a Florida State really be in the discussion. And it's not just the top-to-bottom strength within the league, like intra-league. It's inter-conferences. I mean, you talk about the win that FSU, Florida State, had over LSU primetime. They put a stomping on LSU. That's an SEC team, a team that was in the SEC championship game last year. Florida State, it, for all intents and purposes, looks as if they are back. 
And then you go to a team like Miami, the Miami team that beat a ranked AM team, Tyler Van Dyke, who was on the team last year, threw five passing touchdowns. That's the most he's ever thrown. He was setting records during his time in Miami. So you think about teams like Florida State and Miami coming back to college football prominence. They're both in the ACC. That's what makes this run so special. It is a different year, it feels like, for the ACC. Tom, you mentioned Clemson. We'll get to that in a second. But this two through six behind Florida State, you really can flip a coin and figure out who's the best team right now because there's a lot that can make a case for that. And we're going to get to see these teams taking on uh, some Big Ten opponents this weekend and get another chance to try to prove themselves against another conference. Several games on the slate. We start off Friday night when Virginia takes on Maryland. Also Minnesota traveling to Chapel Hill to face North Carolina, Northwestern will be down the road in Durham taking on Duke. So I think something of note is it's none of the Big Ten's ranked teams that are playing ACC teams this weekend. But, Sam, it still matters to the perception, right? If you want to start hot off the gate week two and continue that into week three, what do you have your eye on for the ACC with this Big Ten matchup this weekend? I have my eye on the North Carolina and Minnesota game. To your point, Kelsey, it's not necessarily the ranked Big Ten teams, but it's the teams that are, quote-unquote, middle of the pack in the Big Twin, Big Ten versus the middle of the pack in the ACC. North Carolina is going to play a Minnesota team that put up nearly 300 rushing yards last week. Minnesota is going to try to run the ball. We know that North Carolina has been known for their offense, but what will they be able to do defensively, right? P.J. Fleck, this has been his M.O. He's had guys like Muhammad Ibrahim in the past, right? Like, I get it. Tanner Morgan was their quarterback. Now he's moved on. But this is going to be their offense. 296 rushing yards last week. What will North Carolina do to stop it? That's going to be what I'm going to be having my eyes on this weekend. But, but, well, part of it, Sam, is they better hope that they run the football like they did against Nebraska <laughs> because on that day, Minnesota couldn't run it couldn't run it at all. And I know Gene Chizik would love to see that. You know, you go back to the week one performance versus South Carolina, and, and I think everybody stood back and went, whoa, what dramatic improvement on the defensive side of the football for North Carolina, particularly when it came to getting after the quarterback, creating disruptiveness, uh, putting South Carolina behind the chains. Um, th- this is a North Carolina defense that I think will have its handful in the run game, Sam. I-, I agree with you on that. But I also think they'll be better equipped. And if they can have early success and put uh, Minnesota behind the chains, that's not where Minnesota wants to be. They don't want to get into a track meet throwing the football all over the lot. And then conversely, on the other side of the ball, North Carolina won that game last week against App State without throwing a touchdown pass. So North Carolina proving under new coordinator Chip Lindsey that they can get it done on the ground if they have to. Sam, go ahead. I saw you. Well, I was going to say real quick. So to your point, I, I just thought about this just now. We've been talking about Minnesota's running game. Well, North Carolina, Drake May did not throw a passing touchdown last week, but North Carolina ran for over 300 rushing yards. So what if this turns into a game where North Carolina imposes their will, not just in the passing game with Drake May, but in a, in a running attack in the offensive line? That's and, what I'll be really excited about. And North Carolina did that last week without British Brooks, who was their leading rusher the week before. It was Omar and Hampton that did it this week. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out moving forward. Guys, when we're talking about the ACC. You mentioned it earlier. Normally, we're talking about Clemson. It is a different year so far for the Tigers, though. They've won seven out of the last eight ACC titles, but they fell out of the top 25 this week for the first time since 2021. That came after a 66-17 win over Charleston Southern, a soccer school. Here's their head coach, Davo Sweeney, looking for a bright spot. Again, proud of our guys for this past week and Getting, getting on the right track. Did a lot of great things in the game. Uh, and excited about being back at home this week. Another opportunity for us to, to uh, go play. Uh, but 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's about us just, you know, keep building, uh, keep correct, see if we can, you know, cut out a couple of these disasters that we've had in the first two games and, and uh, you know, offensively put four good quarters together of complimentary football. And if we do that, can match up with anybody. Uh, but excited about, again, the opportunity this week and uh, look forward to it. He's excited about the opportunity. And, Tom, you're still excited about this Clemson team. What's the concern level, or why are you still feeling good about what we'll see from them? Because I think the concerns are correctable through execution and fundamentals and discipline. This isn't necessarily a devoid of talent issue with Clemson. I think we all know they've got players, particularly on the defensive side of the football. And I thought two years ago, when Clemson started off 4-3 and three, and everybody said the sky was falling, I thought that was Dabo Sweeney's best coaching job of his tenure at Clemson. And he's got an opportunity now to do the exact same thing. Silly penalties, turnovers, subpar play in the kicking game, um, not a lot of speed at wide receiver. There's, there's some concerns there with, with Clemson. But I think from an execution standpoint, if they can get that ironed out, They've got the personnel to step on the field and play with just about everybody. The problem is we haven't seen them execute like this, so it becomes so magnified that if it was somebody else, we probably wouldn't take as much notice as we do with Clemson. But because Clemson's doing it, it really, really stands out. They've got to get that cleaned up. If they do, they're going to be fine because they've got athletes. And to your point, Tom, you talked about people stepping up and people playing to their potential. You have to understand, you have a quarterback who only started one game last year in Cade Klubnik. So some of these mistakes are to be expected. So what has to happen when you have a young quarterback? Well, I've been on teams with young quarterbacks, but dominant defenses, those defenses need to step up even more. Like we saw this Clemson defense do last week. They didn't do it in week one. So I want to see from this Clemson team, the reason I'm not concerned is that they got guys like Garrett, Barrett Carter on the inside. They got guys like Tyler Davis playing D-line. Um, they got have guys like Jeremiah Trotter Jr., at linebacker as well. That's why I'm not concerned. This defense had a dominant performance last week. They didn't have that against Duke. And so if you can have that defense do what they did last week, 73 total yards allowed. You look at the score. It was 17-14 at halftime. What do you mean 73? No, dude, there was an interception that was down about the four or five-yard line. There was an onside kick. There was another fumble that was down to the one. The defense needs to have that kind of performance that they had in week two moving forward for the rest of the season. That includes this weekend. That includes Florida State. That's what needs to happen if they, if they want to be able to go where they want to go, which is another ACC championship and hopefully college football playoff. That's exactly where I was going is, yes, they have FAU this weekend, but next weekend a massive opportunity with Florida State, a top three program right now. So if they want to get back on track, you need to keep their eyes on building this weekend and then see what happens in that new game next weekend. Still to come here on College Football Live, the ACC isn't the only conference off to a hot start. The Pac-12 is doing something that we hadn't seen in over 40 years. What has been the most impressive part of their hot start? And someone won a million-dollar bet on Colorado last weekend. Joe Fortenbaugh is here to tell us what's catching his eye this weekend. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I can't wait till this thing kicks off because we are coming. The hype is all around Dion's team. Game day coming to you live from Colorado, first time since 1996. The Buffaloes, just one of the massive bright spots from the Pac-12 so far this season. Let's dive a little bit deeper into what we've seen from this hot start from the Pac-12 because the conference started 18-0 this season. That was good for the best start to a season by any conference since the FBS-FCS split back in 1978. Now, there have been five instances where a quarterback with 400-plus passing yards in a game this season Four of those games belong to Pac-12 quarterbacks and two belong to Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. How about this? The Pac-12 has eight teams represented in the AP Top 25 poll this week. That's the most for a single conference since 2015 when the SEC had a record 10 teams ranked. So, Sam and Luke, let's dive a little bit deeper in it. I love it. There's so much uncertainty about this conference, what it looks like in the future. You've got Washington State, Oregon State out here just taking names and numbers so far this season. But, but Sam, what's been the most impressive thing that you've taken from what we've seen from the Pac-12 so far? I've been most impressed, Kelsey, by how the, quote, middle of the pack teams or the teams in the Pac-12 that we haven't been talking about have consistently won. We've talked about Colorado. We've talked about USC. But a team like Oregon, they beat a Texas Tech team that came off of really an embarrassing loss in week one, and they fought tooth and nail. That was an impressive win. Oregon State, we're not talking about them. Another impressive win, put up a lot of points. Washington State with Cam Ward at quarterback. They got a chance to beat Wisconsin. So for me, it's the teams we aren't talking about. They're impressing me the most. Well, and that's what makes the next, what, four or five weeks when conference play starts to begin and these guys all start playing each other, it's going to make the Pac-12 maybe the most fantastic conference in college football because all of these teams have quarterback play that is elite, and we haven't even seen Cam Rising come back for Utah yet. And then we've got a handful of teams, you know, maybe not even a handful, but you've got Utah, you've got Oregon State that are really good on defense, really good on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. But I think for me, it's going to be really interesting. How how do one of these teams, SC, Washington, whoever it is, how do you get into one possession games and games that might come down to the last play with time going off the clock and come out of that conference unscathed? That's why it's going to be must-see TV each and every week. Tom, I, that's where I wanted to dive a little bit deeper because once we see all the conference games between the Pac-12, fast forward a few weeks from now and they're all playing each other, what's the conversation surrounding this conference look like? Um, who can stop somebody, right? I mean, on defense, I think it's, could you get off the field? Could you get off, could you have three, three and outs? What can you do defensively to get off the field? Because the offenses are going to be so explosive and so talented uh, top to bottom that somebody's going to have to come up with a way of getting a stop here or there. I think Utah's, Utah's most equipped and Oregon State's probably most equipped in that regard. But the quarterback play may be so good. I, I, I just don't know how the thing's going to play out. Guys, something else that's also interesting, we've talked about the ACC, we've talked about the Pac-12. First time since 2017, each of the Power Five conferences have had a team represented in the top five. It is going to be a fun college football season. Let's get to a new segment we're calling In the Know with Joe, and that is because we've got sports betting analyst Joe Fortenbaugh joining us now on College Football Live. And Joe, it was a big week 
Texas taking down number three Alabama in week two. With that win, the Longhorns are now plus 850 to win the national championship, meaning a $100 bet will return $850 in profit. And Alabama's odds now stand at 22 to 1. So would now be the time to buy in on the tie. I'd have to pass at a price of 22 to 1, 40 to 1 would be the buy point for me on Alabama at this point in time. Remember, we've never had a two-loss team make the college football playoff. And if Alabama were to make the SEC championship game, they'd likely be a sizable dog against Georgia. Losing that game would give them two losses, and it'd be a fresh loss in the eyes of the committee happening right there at the final vote. Let's not forget LSU, Texas A&M, Tennessee, all on the schedule as well. I'm a fan of Jalen Milrow, but I'm not sure the upside is there on a consistent basis to win Bama enough games to get them into the playoff. Okay, so plenty to keep an eye on there. How about this? Last Thursday, more money had been bet on Colorado than any team in the NFL playing on Sunday. One better won a $1 million bet on the Buffs to cover against Nebraska. That's pretty crazy. This week, Colorado is a 23-point favorite over Colorado State. So, Joe, what's your thoughts on this game? Oh, I've got to be a glutton for punishment because I'm going to bet against Colorado again this week. This is what we call a sandwich spot in the industry, all right? Last week, big game at home, the debut of Deion Sanders in Boulder. They take out Nebraska, and then next week, the other piece of the bread on the sandwich is a road trip to Eugene to take on the Oregon Ducks. Wedged in between is little old Colorado State catching 23 points. You could lose a little bit of focus here if you're the Buffaloes looking ahead to next week's matchup against Oregon. So what could happen here is, let's say Colorado's up 28 late in the game. Maybe we get that late backdoor touchdown from Colorado State to get inside the number. I'll take the dog in this spot and then probably come on this show and regret it once again next week. Joe, something else to keep in mind. The last time Colorado was this big of a favorite was in 2018. They actually lost outright to Oregon State as 25-and-a-half-point favorites. Much different team now. Let's take a look at some of the notable games this weekend. Got number 11, Tennessee, headed to the Swamp, South Carolina, and number one, Georgia, between the hedges. LSU headed to Starkville, and the Huskies headed to East Lansing to face Michigan State. So, Joe, what's the best bet for the weekend? I actually like a couple games on that list. Let's start with Mississippi State, if we can get them at plus 10. I'm not necessarily sold on LSU's defense just yet. I think Mississippi State can hang a number here. They're playing at home, and 10 is a big number to cover for the Tigers on the road. I also like the Gators, if we can get plus 7 against Tennessee. I think the Volunteers team is a little overrated based on what we saw last season. But remember, no more Hendon Hooker, no more Jalen Hyatt. This is the first true road test for Tennessee this season, as they're going to go on the road to the Swamp hostile environment. I want the seven points in my pocket with this one. We are now in the know with Joe. We appreciate it. We'll see you next Wednesday. Still ahead on College Football Live, some hostile home crowds getting ready to pack into stadiums this weekend. Which teams will be able to live up to life on the road? That's ahead. Welcome back into College Football Live. We've got two ESPN primetime games Saturday night. Number 11, Tennessee, travels to the Swamp to take on Florida at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. And then Coach Prime and Deion Sanders, number 18, Colorado, square off against rival Colorado State in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. College game day will be there. What a night it will be for football. 
So let's take a look at today's road test presented by Goodyear and some interesting road matchups as we head into week three. Number seven, Penn State opens up conference play on the road again this year, taking on Illinois. The last time these two teams met was in 2021, where the Illini won an FBS record nine overtime games. Wonder who's calling that one. How about South Carolina going between the hedges to take on the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs? The teams have met every year since 1992, with Georgia winning seven of the last eight but sadly, this matchup won't be on the SEC schedule next season. Sticking in the SEC, number 11, Tennessee heads to the Swamp. Tennessee's win last season was their only their second win in the last 18 meetings with the Gators. Saturday, they'll look to get their first win in Gainesville since 2003. And the backyard brawl, the first meeting in over a decade, was held on Pitt's turf last year. The Panthers won that one. Now West Virginia wants revenge. Guys, let's jump into Georgia, number one team in the country and going to be at home this weekend. They've won, as I mentioned, seven out of the last games, including a dominating one last year. So, Tom, your expectations for what we'll see for the Bulldogs at home? I think they'll play really, really well. They'll, uh, you know, South Carolina's got their attention, and I know the criticism on Georgia has been that they've gotten off to slow starts um, in the first two games. I think it combined seven points in the first quarter through the first two weeks. And at the end of the day, look at how they've finished games. Look at how they've closed out games. And if you're a Georgia fan, think about it in these terms. Look at how many players they got to play, how many guys got to get evaluated and get valuable experience they're going to need in week 10, 11, and 12. So I, I don't worry about the slow start. I worry about the finish. And Georgia has taken care of business. This is what happens when you become a victim of your own success. Everybody starts to think it's easy. If you struggle a little bit, all right, move on, and then play well the last three quarters, and Georgia's done that for two weeks. Kind of the same thing we were saying earlier about Clemson, this Georgia team, although maybe some slow struggles. They've won both of their first games by 40 points each. Let's look at another SEC matchup, Sam, and we've got Tennessee going on the road to, to uh, Florida. What are your expectations for what we're going to see in that one? I think Tennessee is going to be in for a uh, not so, so pleasant surprise because this Florida team is a prideful program. We know that Tennessee, so far they're 2-0, but they haven't looked like the Tennessee that we saw last year, right? That offensive explosion. Jalen Hyatt catching 50-yard bombs and Hennon Hooker being extremely on target. We haven't seen that from Joe Milton. We've seen, you know, a pedestrian enough performances from a passing attack, about 200 passing yards. The rushing game is what's been the difference maker. Will Florida allow Tennessee to run the ball? I don't think so. That's why I think it should be a rude awakening for Tennessee. Florida has dominated in recent history in this matchup. Tennessee, they won last year. It was just their second win in the last 18 meetings. That should be a good one. A couple of good SEC ones to keep an eye on. We mentioned the ACC and Big Ten going head-to-head as well. Also in that Florida game, 35th career start for Graham Mertz. His first time playing against an SEC opponent, so that is going to be fun. And we will see you back here, same time, same place, for College Football Live, 2 o'clock right here on ESPN2. Tom, catch in that $1 million bet. Give me a little bit.